You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody. I'm a little quiet. The family is asleep right now. A little bit of a late recording right before we release this brand new episode of We Got Next here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for checking out the show. And we do not have a lot of time to waste, my friends. We have three great guests, all different stories, three different points in their careers, but three people, three fighters on the cusp of some very big things. So let's just get right into this thing. Let's run down the lineup because you don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from the fighters. That's why you listen to the show. And you're going to hear from them. And you're going to hear at the very end of the show from one of the best regional fighters in New England. One of the best 135 pounders in the country. His name is Jay Perrin. So he's going to wrap us up this week. He is the current Bantamweight champion for Cage Titans in New England. And recently, he became the CES Bantamweight champion. He had a second-round submission win at CES 64 against Josh Smith this past month. And you might remember him from his fight on the Contender Series a couple of years ago. He lost a decision in a fight that pretty much everybody who watched it thought he won. But he did not get a contract either way. But he's looking for a chance to kick that door down so to speak and he's very very close to getting that chance so we'll speak to the joker jay perrin coming up a little bit later on and in in around 25 minutes we're going to speak to eric gonzalez who will make his ufc debut this saturday on a little over a week's notice and he's going to fight jim miller how about that for a ufc debut taking on a man who by the time he makes the walk by the time this fight begins on saturday He will have the most appearances in UFC history. I really enjoyed this chat. Well-deserved opportunity for the Ghost Pepper. And he will join us coming out next. But first, let us welcome in a fighter who is supposed to compete on Saturday in the world of bare-knuckle fighting. As we reported hours before BKFC Fight Night Montana was set to begin, we found out that fight was no longer happening. So look, let us get the full scoop the full spectrum, if you will, on everything that happened. Let's get her take 
on everything happening in the BKFC world, including a unfortunate and very sad topic that has been in the news when it relates to BKFC and some of the matchmaking and other things. So let us kick things off with Taylor Starling. Let us say hello once again to one of the rising stars of Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. We should be discussing the results of her fight this past Saturday in Montana against Randine Eckholm, which did not happen, as we confirmed on Saturday before the card kicked off. And the follow-up to a breakout start to her BKFC career will have to wait a little while longer. So I wanted to have Killa B on the program to talk all about it. Taylor Starling joins us after a, a crazy weekend in Billings, yeah. Montana. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm I'm very good. It's great to have you here. Apologies for everything that has happened to you on Friday and Saturday. So we wrote about what happened on the site. You discuss it on your social media. So for those who aren't aware of what happened that led to this fight being scratched from Saturday's card, what happened? Why did the fight not go down? Well, my opponent uh, weighed eight pounds overweight. Uh, Randine came in on the scale. I was 124. And which our fights at 125, I was 124 and she was 133. So uh, if we want to get into the story, Randine, they gave her until 4 p.m. So we waited in at two. So they said, we'll give you until 4 p.m. to try to like at least cut a couple more pounds, get as close as you can. Eight pounds is just too much. The commission's not going to let it happen. Um, she got off the scale and immediately started drinking Pedialyte and water and like rehydrating, like didn't even make the attempt to like go and like get on a treadmill or anything. So that was very frustrating. Uh, she didn't pass her doctor physical either, like a couple hours later. So they wanted to give her a day to like try to get her wits about her. And they're like, if you can cut that, like they really pushed it. Like they really were trying to make the fight happen as best they could. They were like, we're gonna give you a day to kind of make sure you're feeling all right but you have that time to get lower and like, you can see if we can, see if we see if we can make it happen. And the next day she comes and weighs in and weighs in at one forty one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it wasn't like it was just a couple pounds. It was eight pounds and then another eight pounds on top of that. So very, very frustrating. It was, I was really upset. And I think a lot of people misconstrued my, my upset. It was just, the fact that she didn't even try. I think that she didn't want to fight and she just used that as her out. I think she honestly went and started putting on more weight to make sure that she could make sure that it wasn't happening. So, yeah. And what's interesting about this whole thing is when, when BKFC announced this matchup, I, I can't lie. I was scratching my head a little bit, like no disrespect to Randine as a fighter. She gets in there and gets in fist fights and puts her health, her life on the line, which is more than I could say for myself. But at least with what her combat sports record says, she's never won a sanctioned fight. She lost all of her amateur MMA fights. She had one fight in BKFC and Britain Heartbeater. It just seems like such an odd matchup to me, considering the success you've been having. And it just it just seemed kind of weird, like especially with all the conversations happening after your last fight. Like, do you agree with that? Were you surprised that Randine was the opponent that was offered to you? Yeah, I will say this. They definitely like gave the offer to a couple people. And everybody said no. Um, Randine was the only one who like said yes. And um, so for me, I was like, wow, like 
so she really thinks she can beat me and she's tough. Like I, I had a lot of respect for her because I was like, she's taking this fight and she's going to fight me. And I watched her fight with Britain and I was like, man, she hung four rounds and you know, I'm two and oh in bare knuckle and like with really hard hitting wins under my belt. But at the same time, like my MMA record is not that great. My, uh, like there's different things. Like I have just a very like leveled out record and everything else. But right. bare knuckle, I'm, I'm taken by storm. But I thought, man, this girl wants to fight me because she believes she can beat me. And she went with Britain and she's got to be tough. And she signed the dotted line. Um, a lot of people said no to it. So I was like super excited. I was like, wow, that was like, I'm, I'm, I, she thinks she's got what it takes. So let's go. Who said no? Do you know? Um, there's a couple people. A lot of them aren't in bare knuckle. One of them, um, what was her name? Maya, Maya, uh, some Hawaiian last name. I can't remember her last name. Um, she was in the ultimate, not the ultimate fighter or UFC or something like that. Um, she was supposed to fight for game bread and her fight fell through for some reason, but she wanted just like a crazy amount of money to fight me. And so, really? yeah. So she wanted like some insane amount of money and they were just like, we're not going to pay you that much. Like what, like what? No. Um, it, but when people do that, usually I feel like it's because they don't really want to take the fight, but they will if you pay them the right amount. Right. But um, that and just a couple others, they were like, man, it's kind of hard to find you like someone right now other than like, because if you, you don't want to put me and all of the top, you don't want to put all of us top women together right off the jump. They're trying to put together a tournament, but right. they want everyone to have game opponents, like good opponents. And they just couldn't find one. And Randine was the one who said yes. So I know like from just going off your social media, like you wanted to try to keep this fight. Obviously you even, is it true? You try to like put on some weight to like try to yes. get the weight discrepancy down. to I guess a clearable number for the commission, but they weren't having it. I weighed 124 on the day of weigh-ins and the next day when we reweighed, I was 136. So, so 140. So really within five pounds, is that yeah. too much or the issue was, I think they were more so worried about her health because she that girl was, I'm, I'm trying not to be like such an asshole about it because she could have very well been like really, really hurting. But to me, like I seen her walking around out in the hallways, but then the second that she would walk in the room, she'd be like, Oh, uh, so I think they were more so worried. Cause like, you know, someone, um, he just died. Justin Thornton just died. Right. Passed away. I'm sorry. That sounds so bad, but he just passed. And so that's a lot of pressure on bare knuckle to just like someone like that. That's acting like they can barely walk up to the scale to put, the, put us in the ring. And you know, if something happened like that's on the commission to be like, Oh, people would say, Hey, you let them fight. Um, and that's that, like it, it just, she wasn't, we couldn't make, they couldn't bump it up a weight class and be like, Oh, cause there's no 135 women's division yet. And like just the whole commission, it was just, I don't even really know why exactly they couldn't. Cause even when I weighed 136, I was like, why can't it happen? I weigh 136. And it just, so they just told me, they just looked at me and they were like, it's not going to happen. So just, just give up at this point on trying, but trust me, I literally went and did everything I possibly could. I was trying to chug gallons of water before I even went and weighed in with her eat, just fill my body and try to be as heavy as I possibly could. It just didn't work out. So when you like went to or try to go to sleep on Friday, were you going to sleep feeling like this fight's definitely not going to happen? Like, did you, or no, were you like, that's, 
I think that's what made me the most upset is because I kept getting on this roller coaster of up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Like it would be like one second, they would say something where I was like, okay, it's off. Like I, I'm not even, I don't even need to like feel that pressure. And then one second, someone would say something like, oh, well, we might reweigh and redo physicals and things like that. And then I'd be like, okay, well, there's a possibility it's going to happen. So I couldn't even sleep that night because I was just like, I'm ready to know because I want to fight. I'm ready to know that I'm fighting tomorrow. And once they said it out loud, like I wasn't, I lost it. I was so upset. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, what, what, what people don't always understand because it's professional sports, there's not a lot of money in the fight game. There just isn't yeah. like, there's like a very small amount of, of fighters out there in boxing, in MMA, even in BKFC or bare knuckle timing works out great. There's a whirlwind of good stuff that happens. They become massive stars, must see TV, et cetera. And others work hard to get to that place, try to break through that wall. But until that happens, it's a struggle. It's incredible sacrifice, a lot of money spent to get you ready to travel. Plus, you know, for you in particular, everyday life, you're a mom, you're trying to give the, your kids the best life possible. So when you don't fight, it's a big hit. So I'm assuming not fighting on Saturday makes a pretty significant impact on your world. Does it yeah, not? I, I definitely ripped Randy a new one whenever they said we weren't fighting. And I just told her, I was like, I have sacrificed my time, my money, like the money I spent to get my team out there, the money I spent for my outfit, my banner, my spot, like to make sure my sponsors were well displayed, just everything time away from my children. I took off work and like stopped working the entire fight camp, which I couldn't afford to do. Thankfully I had sponsors to help me out with stuff, but I took time from work for my job because I was like, I want the, I want the best camp and I can't work right now if I want the best camp and all of that left my bosses hanging. Like I, it's a small business. So they could have really used my help, but because they really believe in me, they let me take that time to go do what I needed to do. And yeah, so it was very frustrating. And just to like, like, I don't know, I just want it so bad. And to see someone not share the same passion or like respect as an athlete, like it just really, really upset me. So it's kind of to, to talk, so you said this to Randine, like face to face, what did, how did she react worse, to that? A lot worse with a, okay. lot, more, uh, with a lot more F-bombs uh, included. <laughs> did she respond at all or did she just kind no. of take it? No, she just stood there like blank staring at me. Like I was, and then David Feldman had to um, intervene and pull me away from her because I was about to punch her in the face. And I just, um, I'm never like that. And it was very upsetting to me too, to like feel that way. Cause I always love being out there. And this time I was just really amped up and fired up and mad and took it out on a couple people that, you know, it's like the people in BKFC, I'm like chewing them out when it's not their fault. Um, her managers, I was chewing her managers out. And apparently the whole entire time they said that Randine just lied to them and told them like, didn't tell them how much she weighed, didn't tell them she was overweight and they had asked her and like how everything was going. And she just didn't tell anybody until she got on that scale and was 133. And so, yeah, it was very, it was very emotional. I definitely, um, I definitely yelled at a couple people, but Randy and being number one, I definitely, I wanted her to know, like, I just, I don't think she had any respect for how I felt or even cared. I think she was just like, whatever, I don't want to fight and I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen. So that, that to me was just, I let her have it. I let her know every feeling I had. <laughs> so, I mean, you might've yelled at some BKFC peeps, but the, apparently they weren't too upset because you were on the broadcast, you were in there. Like, 
Was that okay? Like I know FOMO is, is probably a super real thing when you're supposed to fight on yeah, a card, but, but were, did you at least enjoy yourself to, to the best yeah. of your ability? That was the best thing about like the silver lining is like I had my squad with me. We had a great time. We enjoyed Billings. And especially once I knew the fight was off, I just, I got to go to the show and enjoy it. And my, my bare knuckle family, like when you fight for bare knuckle, it's like a huge family. So everyone was really happy to see me and they understood why I was upset and why I was frustrated. And I'm so thankful. And I, I, I apologize to all of them personally. And was just like, you know, it wasn't anything of you guys. I was just really upset. And they just had, they just happened to be there in the line of fire when I was really upset. And, um, but I got to commentate, uh, Jade Wong and, uh, Crystal Pittman. It's crazy. So about was, it. Yeah, it was a crazy fight. It was really cool. I got to see Crystal Pittman's eye just like shoot blood. And it was just, it was really cool. But I definitely was like, ah, ah, I want to be in there right now. I want to. <laughs> so, I mean, you did your job, you made weight, you got on the scale, you were under the 125 pound limit. And I'm not sure how this all works in the bare knuckle world, but most of the time in MMA, if you make weights, you get show money or half your purse. And then if you win, you get the other half. Did they take care of you? Did you at least get some money for doing your job and making weight like a professional? Yes, they took very good care of me. They paid me. Um, they made sure that me and my whole entire team were all at the fights front row. Um, I couldn't master anymore. They really did take care of me and they were so just so awesome and very like they communicated with me as much as possible. And then they dealt with me being um, an asshole. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't ask for more. They're, they're amazing. They, I, they really felt just as bad because of course they wanted me to fight. Like they wanted, they really like, they shouldn't have let Randine have an extra day but they like really wanted the fight to happen. They knew that the fans wanted to see it. So they were just trying to like really do whatever that they, they could to make it happen. And solely it just all fell onto Randine. It was nobody else, but Randine, like they gave her the, the best opportunity to make sure that it happened. And she went out of her way to make sure that it did not happen. So crazy. So, so, so where do we, where do we go from here? Cause there, I believe there's three more events on the calendar that are at least official for 2021. There's Wichita that's in a couple of weeks Then they're in New York, November 6th. And then like six days later, they're back in Florida in Miami, which should be a fun card. Any discussions on maybe getting you on one of those cards? Um, David Feldman asked me if I'm available November 6th. And I said, yes, I am. And so November 6th is looking like when I'm going to come back, which is great because I've been in a fight camp. It's not too far away. Finish out the month of October and then head out to New York and go start somebody. We're going to New York. Nice and cold. Nice cold weather. Just just what you want in November. Nice and cold. Right. <laughs> Have there... Montana beautiful though. Montana was amazing. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I saw like some of the different photos people were taking. It's a pretty cool area. It's small. It's like a th up and coming area too. Yes. It was awesome. Where you mentioned the tournament and it appears from all accounts that this is a very, very real thing. It's just a matter of logistics at this point from everybody that I've spoken with. Yeah. Have you heard any more about it in terms of like when this might start? I assume obviously in 2022, but do you know kind of what, what they're thinking right now? I would think that they might do something like uh knuckle mania like because i know they're going to bring back knuckle mania for february they're going to make that like an annual thing which i think is so awesome but i think if i think they're waiting to see like how the rest of the year goes and then i think maybe february they would try to like start to build the tournament or at least have some of the uh women fighting for the tournament on knuckle mania i don't know all i know is 
I'm in, I'm going to be in, I'm going to make sure. And that's not because I said it, but that's because I'm going to make sure that I'm in that tournament. Um, which I think they're trying to wait to see like what Beck does and, um, if Rachel wants to come back and, um, cause there's, there's definitely enough women for a tournament, but it's all a matter of like when and who's doing what at what time. And we got to see what, like, you know, I guess yeah. we've got to let it play out a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm all in for that as is everybody else. So you did mention it. So I, I did want to ask you about this because it has been a, a huge talking point when it comes to bare knuckle boxing and combat sports in general, but you mentioned Justin Thornton passed away after the knockout loss to Dylan Kleckler at BKFC 20. And it led to a whole bunch of complications. He was partially paralyzed. He was hospitalized. And then he eventually lost his life when, when all the complications just kind of came together. And listen, combat sports, MMA, boxing, bare knuckle, no matter what you're talking about, there's always risks. You literally put your lives on the line when you get into the ring or the cage. So as somebody that's in this organization who competes in this sport, when you heard this news, how did you react to it? I felt awful just because one, I felt bad for him. I felt bad for his family. I felt bad for bare knuckle because I knew that it was going to be, um, they were going to be the brunt of the conversation and, um, it was just sad all around. But at the same time, you know, I look at it this way. Like I know that when I sign up for a fight, someone could hit me and I could be paralyzed. I could be, I could like just all the risks involved. Um, and a lot of people talk about the mismatch of like the, the mismatch making and things like that. But I always tell people like, well, people sign, uh, sign the contract and uh, like with Randine, for instance, like she signed the contract and she knew what she was getting into. And um, it's just really sad. I think that it's a lot of like mis like misconstruity going on. I don't even know if that's a word, but I feel like it could have been anything. It could have been he, the way that he landed on his head It could have been, I mean, like the knockout was like definitely a contributing factor, but the way he landed on his head could have just made it that much more worse or um, being in the hospital and being on a ventilator, like people don't realize like being on a ventilator that like t is t taxing on your body and it just pumps your body full of oxygen and the things that go behind, behind it. So it's just a lot more, much more than, saying like, oh, he got hit with a bare knuckle and that's what did it. It's like, there's a lot of different catalysts to it. And um, like we said, like you signed, like when you're in a combat sport, you know what you're doing. And I think some people don't realize like, yeah, it is like fans, like it is dangerous, but we also, we know that and we sign up to do it. And that's like one of the risks that we're willing to take as fighters. So it's just sad all around. And um, I have my condolences to his family and everybody. And it just, it really, it, that one like really hit home. Yeah. But as a fighter, like that didn't scare me away. It made me think like, you know, yeah, like we are willing to go in there and put our life on the line for this sport. Yeah. Very sad. Obviously awful news. Send our best to Justin's family and loved ones. It's tough to transition, but I, I did want to end with something a little more positive because I saw a video the other day and it was, you and Brian Battle, who just won the Ultimate Fighter at 185 pounds, and you had a little sparring battle, no pun intended, with uh, one foot each in one of those big tires, and it was pretty wild. Yeah. Brian was like, what the hell? Because you would lighten him up. Like, what was yeah. that like? Or is this just one of, like, many occurrences of this sort of energy rivalry you have? I am always like that to everybody. So um, being super aggressive and punching people is how I show my affection. And um, if I like the, the more I like you, the harder I'm going to hit you. Um, 
the yeah which obviously like brian battle has so much more power than me but um it's just funny because they all laugh because i'm so cute and so tiny and adorable but i really am like so aggressive and i don't care your size i don't care if you're a man or a woman like i'm gonna come and give you the business like when we do stuff like that and i'm very competitive so we were kind of making it like a friendly competition and it was funny because we said before we sparred uh someone was like okay toe the line and brian said i am not ready to toe the line <laughs> ah <laughs> uh, video yeah. is hilarious i love so brian funny. he's awesome and he's always he's always down to work with me and like uh he's always like he always tells people man taylor's a gangster like you guys just don't know so that was fun to do that the gym's starting to get a little uh a little bit of cred on the streets now right between you and okay. brian and we're, we're getting some success people are talking about you a little bit right that's got to be cool yeah. even just in the carolinas in general i think um before even when i first moved here like i didn't really know much of the mma game and any big names or anything coming out of here when i first moved back over this way um so now it's really cool just to see all the talent that's just like grown and evolved and that's coming out of it because i think a lot of people usually just think either like florida or west coast and now we're getting our east coast carolina going on over here so it's pretty cool there you go well taylor it's I feel for you. I know you wanted to get in there and, and do some face punching on Saturday. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, but you, you, I think you're handling it as well as you can. You've yeah. been somewhat, you've been professional. <laughs> you let me, you let me KFC have it. You let some people have it, but listen, it's an emotional roller coaster this fight game. And sometimes things are said in the heat of the moment. And that's sort of what happened to you on Saturday, but peers like cooler heads have prevailed and November 6th looks like the targeted date for the return of the killer B heading to New York. So Taylor, thank you for the time. I appreciate your candor and talking all about this and uh, all thank the best you. to you in this fight camp. And hopefully we find out your opponent sooner rather than later. Yes. Have a great day. I can't wait to see you guys back in that ring. I'm ready. And it's going to be killer. It's going to be even better than if it was Randine. I can tell you that. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let us say hello to Eric Gonzalez, one of the newest members of the UFC roster. He's going to make his Octagon debut in just a couple of days from right now. This Saturday, as a matter of fact, an inset Octagon debut. He's going to take on the man who, when he makes this walk, will do so for the most times in UFC history. What a contrast. What an opportunity. And a well-deserved one for Mr. Ghost Pepper himself, who is kind enough to join us in Las Vegas on Fight Week. Eric, I appreciate this very much, man. How are you? Hey man, um, life is good. Life is good to put it in simple words. <laughs> yeah, I bet, man. I mean, 
You're in Las Vegas. It's fight week. It's your fight week ahead of a fight with, with Jim freaking Miller, a fight that came out of nowhere. What has these last few days been like in the machine that is the UFC? Um, you know, uh, it's, it's been, it's been a really cool experience, man. Um, before I even got here, they were already asking me what my weight was, uh, how many calories I'm intaking. So then when I got here, they had meals, you know, ready to go according to me. And then they gave me a bunch of, uh, you know, nutri, uh, you know, pills so I can, uh, to help me stay nourished, uh, and I get all my nutrients and vitamins that I'm not getting from the food. And then I went to the PI today. So that was a really cool experience. I got a massage, got some needle treatment, got some little, uh, shock treatment, um, cupping, which this is all new to me. I've never done it in, uh, as an athlete. So that was really cool, man. Uh, got to media and I got to do media as a debuter, which is, uh, uh from what I hear is very, very rare. Uh, so that was really cool, man. And, uh, you know, I'm just ready, man. I'm ready to take on this, uh, this Saturday full blast. So I remember, and I don't know if you remember this cause you've probably done so many of these interviews over the years, but 2016, I think it was right before your second fight. Maybe we should debut. It was the first second fight with Kombacha Americas. You and I had talked, we were both these like young men on the come up, trying to make big things happen in this world. And I remember you telling me that when you were 22 or 23 years old, you made a promise to yourself that you were going to be in the UFC before you were 30. And now what, I, I, if you're what, three months away right now from your 30th yeah. birthday, this happens for you. Like, how did you get this news? Because I'm sure this will be a story that you're going to be telling for the rest of your life. Man. Um, my manager called me. Uh, I, was, I had just got back from training last Wednesday. So I got a 10 day notice and uh, he called me and I was sitting on my computer, man, just gaming it, just chilling right after training. And then uh, I answered the phone. I was, you know, cause my manager was calling and then he's like, hold on, you know, and then we brought in my, uh, my other manager who's also like a brother, Marcos Bonilla uh, into a conference call. So then he was like, all right, man. So I got really good news. Uh, the UFC is knocking. They're here. And, uh, it's going to be against a veteran, uh, possibly on his way out. Um, you know, considering his age, you know, he was on a two loss streak and then he said his name, Jim Miller, man. And I just got psyched. Uh, I mean, I got psyched already when he told me that UFC was knocking at our door and, uh, you know, cause we've already been waiting for since August, man. Cause I was on a two win fight streak. They wanted me to win some fights. So I got a win, got two fights, won both of them. And, uh, and uh yeah man there was like he's like all right so i got the good news and then he's like the bad news is it's next week 10 day notice and i was like i don't give a shit send me the contract let's get this ball rolling as soon as i got off the phone i uh, i hit the fiance up and uh let her know what was going on she was at work so she couldn't get back to me right away called my coach and then called my mom and as soon as i finished all that went on a seven mile run and uh that's how my uh, my fight camp started you just jumped on a seven mile runner right after that. You're like, we got to go. Let's get this thing yeah. going. 10 days to, to uh, get down. Yeah. I'm a big runner, man. That's like actually one of my hobbies. I love running like long distance. So, uh, yeah, man, I went straight for a seven mile run. And then, uh, after I got back, a uh, coach had hit me up and I already had the game plan set and I just been nonstop training, nonstop training, man, for three days, uh, since, since I found out. And, uh, it's been an insane freaking week. It was, uh, Turning a putting a bike camp into eight days is uh, no joke, man. And uh, I definitely had to do a lot, uh, you know, considering that I wasn't in, in uh in 
fight camp already. You know, I was actually getting ready to go back into fight camp to get a fight in November, December for a different promotion, just because, you know, UFC was taking a little bit longer than expected. And uh, I was actually about to get another job the week before. And my fiance told me, no, just keep doing what you're doing. I'll, I'll help you. We'll, I'll take care of stuff, whatever you can't take care of. Uh, cause you know, I was financially struggling and, you know, still financially struggling, man. It's uh, it's not, it's not an easy road for fighters or any athlete in my, in my, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, man. So uh, luckily to her, she told me, no, <laughs> you gave me, she gave me a hard no. And then uh, next week, man, next thing you know, is a uh, UFC's calling, man. And I was just like in disbelief, man, you know, the stars were lying. Everything happens for a reason. I see that, man. It's, it's, uh, I didn't have to go through the Dana White Contender Series. I didn't have to go through the Tough House. It was, it was straight up earned. And uh, I did it before 30, man, which was absolutely insane for me. And I, I'm just so happy, dude. It's uh, like you said, man, this, I said it six years ago, you know, and look at us. We're looking at fast forward us now, man. And I'm, I'm over here in freaking the UFC residence in and just enjoying every moment. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. Cause I remember that conversation vividly and I'm like, all right, this guy, he's got something he, he's, he's got his mind, right. I'm like, he's not going to be in Kabache for that much longer, probably a couple more wins and he'll get signed. And I think you ended up there for like another 10 fights after that. And it seemed, cause it seemed like you'd been so close a couple of different times, like knocking on that door. And then like a tough decision loss would happen to guys who were both UFC vets. I believe at, at this point, one is in now and one used to be. So yeah. And now you're talking about like, you almost got a job before you got this call. So like, was the road, like, were you starting to get a little frustrated? Like, did it feel at times that like, maybe this goal of getting to the UFC by 30, did it feel at times that like, maybe, maybe I was a bit too ambitious, but like, what has this road been like mentally for you, especially like the last year or two? Um, you know, uh, considering that I didn't fight all 2020, uh, I was actually hoping to get a call even to the contender series last year for 20, 2020 COVID, but it's actually my manager that told me, he's like, Hey man, don't worry about the Dana White contender series. He's like, you don't, you don't need to be in there. He's like, you're, you're too good for that shit. He's like, we're going to get you in. You're not going to have to go through that shit. And, uh, you know, I just, I just, you know, I kept doing what I was doing, man. I just stayed in the gym. I didn't work at all during 2020. I just, I was actually in the gym the most I've ever been. And, uh, to be honest, kind of COVID, it was a weird blessing, you know, uh, to get me able to stay in the gym. Uh, my gym did not close to the fighters. We were all there. We we're getting tested monthly. Uh, if anybody went out of town, they were getting tested. So, you know, we were as safe as possible. We had no cases ever dropping the aperture. We didn't have any case up until this year. And then uh, only a couple guys got it, but luckily nobody else did. And, uh, but yeah, man, I was honestly like, I was starting to like have that, like, that mindset of like, fuck man, I'm, I'm not going to get this call by the end of the year. You know, this like, I did have those doubts, man. And, uh, I was ready to just like, Hey, you know what? Fuck it. It's going to happen next year. So I'm just going to get another fight, knock this motherfucker out, whoever it is. And then hopefully I get my contract right after that. Cause I'll be at, I'd be on a three fight win streak, but you know what? God had different plans for me. Stars aligned perfectly. And here we are. What, what, what job are you going to take? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, my buddy's actually a manager at a, at a really, really nice restaurant over in Manhattan bartending, and they make about five to 600 a night. So I was just going to work that over the weekends because uh, the bartending job I have now, was I'm not making so as much because uh, it's not a high-end restaurant. It's not near the beach. Uh, so, yeah, that was the job that I was going to – it was called Esperanza's off Manhattan. Actually, great spot. Uh, good for date night if you're ever in Manhattan Beach, you know. 
Uh, so yeah, man, that was the job. And, uh, I thought, you know, I was, uh, I had, I had an interview set up and then when the girl, when the, the fiance told me, no, I was like, Hey, uh, yeah, I can't make the interview, bro. And, uh, you know, like when she said that, cause I, you know, I would have to tell them on a different term, you know, probably getting, you know, uh, the process into, to become an employee. I would have been like, Hey, sorry guys, I can't, <laughs> you know, <Man>. but <laughs> which is worse. <laughs> Man, I mean that—that's crazy. Like five, six hundred dollars a night just working weekends. Like that's that's pretty crazy, man. And and for for your fiance now to just be like, nah, dude, turn like forget that money. Who cares? Just like go after this thing. Like that must mean a lot because it's very hard in this game to find somebody who actually understands the life of a fighter, right? And you seem to have found that. Yeah, you know, she's definitely my other half, man. She's uh, done so much for me. She's taken me to training, taking me to stuff that I couldn't make. Uh, she's made it happen she's on top of working on top of school. She just graduated this year. You know, we just got engaged after my last fight on August 7th. Uh, it's been a phenomenal year for both of us. And, uh, so I know that she's trying to, she's about to transition cause we actually work at the same restaurant. That's where I met her. And, uh, she's transitioning out of her job to get into an actual career job. So this is super exciting for her. And, uh, you know, she's uh, she's definitely my backbone, and she's kept me on track, and that did everything possible to make a to make everything around me happen, man. No matter what I needed, she was there, and uh, that's what uh, that's what having the life partner is about. So, you know, I knew that that was gonna. This is our anniversary was actually last weekend, and we had to cancel because I found out about the fight. We had Disney pans, we had uh, to go, we had a hotel reserved. I had to cancel everything. She was super bummed, but she understood, and uh, we're just gonna, you know, we're gonna, I'm gonna get this fucking win get that fight in that bonus, make it happen. And then I'm going to go spoil her and take her out to whatever she wants to do for anniversary. And, uh, we'll celebrate afterwards, you know, but for now, like I told her, my, I only have one goal in mind and just getting this win and she's all about it. She said, go with you, what you got to do, babe, get the fucking business done, get the bag and come back home. She's going to be there for fight night. And if a lot of my family and a couple, a few of my friends are going to be there. So I have all the support in the world, man. What anniversary is it? F like four or five? Five year anniversary. Oh, five year. So you gotta, you gotta believe this. I mean, you talked about like the karmic juju of just sort of turning down the job and all this happens, but you have to believe it sort of began after you popped the question, right? Like you propose, she says yes. And then less than two months later, you're in the freaking UFC. I mean, th there has to be something there, right? Like you get on the knee and you finally pop the question around five years after you guys get together. And now you're in the UFC. What if you propose like a year earlier, maybe you would have already been there by now. <laughs> you know like i said the stars aligned the way they were supposed to god had a plan for me and uh uh i just stayed on track you know for uh spread for every fighter man just stay on track just keep training hard and it's, it's gonna happen you just gotta have that goal you gotta have that and you gotta make it happen you gotta make it happen yourself really you know just fight just take any fight win your fights and that's it eventually you'll get there with an opportunity like th th there are so many fighters i've talked to that you know, some got sound like signed outright and then had, especially like at the beginning of COVID. So they had like full fight camps, 12, 14 week camps. And, and then I've talked to other fighters, like when they get signed in a situation like yours, they thrive on it. Like they get thrown into the fire. They're not overthinking anything. They're not obsessing about the opponent or anything like that. Like everything to gain very little to lose. Do you prefer it this way for the debut? Or do you wish you had like a full camp to get ready for this one? You know what? Um, Considering that it's it's a veteran, um, I couldn't picture it any other way, to be honest. Uh, I couldn't put myself in a position where if I had time to, to prepare for a fight. Um, so, like, at this point, man, it's like you said, man, I don't have time to think about it. I just 
I only have time to train. I only have time to put myself in the right mindset. And uh, mentally, I've never had any issues with uh, preparing myself for war. And uh, for this fight, man, I was just, it's all about just burning the shit out of my lungs. And, and uh, I wouldn't want it any other way at this point, you know? And, and uh, it's like you said, I have everything to gain. I have nothing to lose. I'm fighting a vet with way more experience than myself. Uh, and I've known and I've watched him. I don't know him personally, but I've, I've known of him and I've watched him for years and as a, as a kid in high school. So this is a true, like, uh, it's like a dream come true, man, to be able to fight a guy like this. And I know if I beat him in a devastating manner, it's going to put me in an, an insane position with the UFC. So that's what I really want. And uh, it's a, I just got to make it happen, man. Everything else is up to me. And you get the main card spot. Like you could Which have scripted crazy. this better. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. I was, I was in the prelims and then my mom sent me the, a picture of the main card and I said I was in it and I was like, wait, what the hell? So like my mom was, was the one that found out before I did. And then I was like, I was like, what the hell is going on? And then, uh, yeah. So it was, it's, it's been like a crazy, you know, um, my, it's like my manager said, he's like, you, you deserve it. You've earned it. Like, this isn't given to you. You've earned every single, every single thing that's happening right now. And I see it, man. I, I see it as that way. It's like, like, you know, like I thought I was going to be there and then I lost those, really good those really tough two tough fights uh to a decision loss and uh, i probably wouldn't have been a ufc before that but you know everything happens for a reason i would not be in this position if if it didn't take this long i wouldn't have made the main card as my debut probably i wouldn't have made had a veteran so uh everything works in mysterious ways man so you know you just gotta enjoy the ride and and, and uh thrive on every moment it's a, you know, looking at cards like this, especially looking at on paper and seeing the main event and all this stuff, like people have like these negative things, but if you really look like deep into it, we have, there's a lot of like historical things that could happen. Like obviously the discrepancy between you debuting against a guy making the walk for the 38th time is crazy. And then you have freaking loopy Godinez who's about to fight for the second time in the octagon in seven days. Looking to make, I mean, it's just crazy to think about, right? Like, like, could you see yourself doing what loopy Godinez is about to do this week? Like you go out there, you beat Jim Miller quick, and then you bounce back a week later and fight again. Like, is that something you would do? Hey man, if uh, if I get the call and it's another short notice, hey, that's a higher pay grade for me. And I'm already in fight shape. If I'm not hurt, then let's fucking do it. I'm I'm always game for a fight, man. If I if I can get another fight before the end of the year, man, I'm fucking game. I don't even care, you know. I want to be like the next Donald Cerrone in in the UFC, where I just fucking take any fight. I'm always ready to scrap, and uh, I think that that'd be very that'd be very good for me. And I think that. Dana White and the UFC would look at that as like, Hey man, this is going to be our go-to guy. And, uh, I just got to prove it. That's it. This is the fight to prove it. Yeah. A lot, a lot of exciting things happening in your life. You get this fight with Jim Miller. How do we get this done against a guy that, like you said, you've watched since you were in high school. Uh, you know, I've been watching a ton of tape on him, man. Uh, I've watched his last three fights, uh, have really good corners, uh, Marcos Bonilla. I actually have Marcelo Rojo, which is already in the UFC, who's going to be helping me with my fight camp tomorrow uh, for the weight cuts, and he's been helping me as far as game planning. Uh, my coach Ian Harris, who's a fucking whiz, uh, taught me everything that I know, and uh, maybe the fighter I am today, uh, who is <laughs> I already had a game plan before I even as soon as I said his name, he already had a game plan. I'm sure, and uh, I, I have. Every, I have all the support, like I said, and uh, the way to beat this guy, man, is just, just uh, keep my distance, get the to the ground, uh, get my ass back up. Uh, <laughs> if I get on top of him, just beat the shit out of him with elbows. Uh, 
you know, I watched his last fight and uh, I could tell that he's not, you know, he's still, uh, he's still young in my opinion. 38 still like a decent, it's not fucking old. You know what I mean? That's still young in my opinion. And, uh, but I think that he's been through so many fucking wars that his body is just not the same that it was, that it was 10 years ago, five years ago. And uh, I think that uh, I could tell by his last fight, you know, he slowed down on the second round. He definitely slowed down on the third. And I think I'm going to have an advantage. You know, I'm a fucking hungry dog. I'm a fucking hungry man. And, uh, you know, I want to get paid, man. I want to make fucking money. And and uh, I don't think he'll be able to stop me, man. I don't think he'll be able to deal with my pressure. And I'm not trying to hit the floor, man. I'm just trying to be a fucking, have this make this a war. I know he's down for a war because I saw his last fight. He wasn't even really trying to engage in the floor until the other guy did. And, uh, you know, that's just going to be the game plan, man. Just get in his face and be fucking just bully the shit out of him, man. I have way longer reach. I'm way taller than him. And, uh, and I know how to fight everywhere, everywhere the fight goes, man. I've been in every single type of danger, just like he has, whether he's had 38 fights, I've only had 19 fights, but you know, um, that experience goes a long way, but I've also been put in every difficult and type of situation MMA possible. So to me, it's, it's not going to be anything new. If he takes me to the ground or if he gets on top of me or tries to pull a submission, I know how to get out of stuff. And, you know, like a lot of guys think just because, you know, I'm a, official blue belt <laughs> you know uh you know they i'm underrated as hell and uh that's cool with me man you know mma jiu-jitsu is way different and nogi jiu-jitsu is way different so it'll it's going to be surprised a lot of people and then this underdog card i love being the underdog so i love you know i love defeating people's mindsets they're like oh he's gonna lose you know this guy came out of nowhere he's they don't even know who i am blah 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 but you know people will see that and i will gain a lot of fans on saturday Eric, I appreciate this, man. I don't want to take up any more of your time ahead of the biggest fight of your career. Congratulations on everything. It's wild to think back five years when we had that first conversation and now you're in a freaking UFC hotel room getting ready to fight Jim Miller. So welcome. Welcome to the UFC. Well-deserved. All the best to you the rest of this week and inside that octagon on Saturday, man. Congrats again. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you much for having me again, Michael. I can't wait to come back, man, and uh, have another interview after this fight uh, when I get the win. And then, uh, you know, it'll be, we could talk about a lot more than just the fight, you know, whatever it is, we'll see what you've been up to. So I appreciate you, man. It's crazy that, you know, we had an interview six years ago, five years ago, my, in the beginning part of my fucking life of, of my career. So it's awesome, man. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. All right, let us say hello to Jay Perrin, one of the top 135 pounders on the regional scene right now. Not only is he the Cage Titans Bantamweight champion, but a little over a week ago, he became the CES Bantamweight champion as well. Second round submission over Josh Smith at CS64. Two titles in the top two promotions in New England. It's uh, just another day for Jay the Joker yeah. Perrin, who is kind enough to join us right now. How are you, man? Uh, you know, I'm doing all right, man. You know, um, you know, I've been fat and happy for about a week now. I'm bored, so I'm already going back to the gym. There you go. Yeah, so it's it's been a minute since you and I have spoken, like, on this level. Like, we talk, yep. you know, on social media from time to time, but I am very happy we get to do this now. But it's been around, I don't know, 10, 11 days since you beat Josh Smith, and a lot went into yep. this. It was your first, first fight in 18 months. You move across the country. We'll get into that in a minute, but... How does it all feel a little over a week later, getting back in there, performing the way that you did and, and, and putting another title on the old mantle? It's, you know, it's, it's been weird because um, like, you know, I expected it to like hit me like, Oh my God, I felt like I want, I was going to have the steep a, you know, moment. I'm a world champion. 
something and lose and lose it. And I didn't. Um, you know, I'm really happy, man. But I, I, I've wanted that belt for a really long time. You know what I mean? And um, it had a lot of extra to it with the whole Dennis Piva thing. And, you know, there's a lot of other storylines that went into that. You know what I mean? Like me and you've talked about. Um, so it's a really satisfying win. And I'm happy that I got it with a performance that was better than my previous one. You know, like I, my, I wasn't satisfied with the Diego Silva performance that I put on. And that was uh, it, it was, had everything to do with my own ego. And uh, I took this one seriously, obviously, with all the things that I did. And it showed, you know what I mean? It showed that all my hard work was was actually translating into the gauge. And, you know, I on game after all that time away, I would still have, you know what I mean, the spark or be as sharp as I normally am. So it felt good. You know, what I mean? it feels good. But we all know that's not my goal. Yeah, you know, that's not where I'm. I'm trying to be. The belt is just a means to an end. At this point, it's just a bargaining chip. Really, is all it is. And um, you know, it's. I'll take as many as you need till it's undeniable. But the belts don't matter. It's what I want to get by getting the belts. Right. Is there like an 18 wheel truck like in your near area? Or is that your phone going off? Because like I, all I hear is. Oh, there's, a, there's there's an AC, <laughs> AC units out here are absolutely. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's like it's it's that's awful. Hold on, let me see if I can. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I was just, I was just wondering what that was. No, it's, it's, it's the neighbor's AC unit. Just I was like, that. wow. I was like, to be able to, to, to get that sentence out and with, with a burp, burp going on behind him, I thought it was oh, like no, a, a just, truck driving. Oh, I just, I just turned it out. So, so, I mean, we, we mentioned, we mentioned the move. You left New England. You, you headed to Las Vegas, which which right now is a pretty smart move, considering there's a lot of opportunity right now with all these UFC cards, there's contender series cards, etc. But you made the decision to make the move last year in one of the most challenging times of our lifetimes with the with COVID and the pandemic and everything. What was what would you say was the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of I got to get out of here? Vegas seems like the place to go. Let's let's really make a run at this thing. So I I played with this idea of moving here for like a year. You know, I kicked it back and forth. I've been to Vegas by that point uh, like three or four times and trained with Syndicate. Um, I'd already had like a working relationship with them. So it's not like I, I didn't know what it was like. And um, there was a lot of personal stuff that went on in my life that just like, you know, I, I took a good look around at, you know, where I was and, you know, all the people that I love and support me. Um, they were just doing things and, and that, that I couldn't accept for myself. You know what I mean? And I, I just took a good look around in my environment and I said, this isn't for me anymore. And I, uh, there was nothing that really kept me there. So, um, the straw that broke camel's back, I mean, it was just the, the, I'm not, I don't want to be inactive. I hate sitting on the shelf. And the fact that we couldn't get anybody to fight me in New England when I was there, and I was only training three days a week. You know what I mean? And we still couldn't get anybody to fight me out there. It was just, you know, I'm like, I'm 28 years old. You know what I mean? At a certain point, you're either going to do this or you're not. And uh, I just chose, uh, I didn't want to be, you know, the guy that looks back when he's 55 years old and is full of regret because he didn't make a decision he should have. So I, that was finally the thought. And I was like, all right, well, we're doing it then. Yeah. You just rip the bandaid off, get on a plane and, yep. and get your ass on out a plane there. And go. Yep. I was Ooh. actually, I went like four months ahead of a schedule. So I'm like, I just got to get out of here. And so I, I got on a plane and I live with my manager now. Oh, there you go. Oh, you live with, um, you live with Jason Lance. now? Oh, with Lance. Okay, uh, okay. Lance. 
was like, oh, I was like, you're in the palace with, with Jason. That's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, mustachioed madman, Lance. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, what what is the whole thing been like? Like, you know, obviously John Wood being there as as a coach guy, people who train with him just just love them, just love them. You get a lot of high level fighters in there, a lot of great coaches and teammates. How would you sort of describe? I mean, you already had already been out there a few times, but first week or two walking into that gym, being a part of the team officially, like what, what, what were the first couple of weeks like being there coming over from Massachusetts? Tough, man. You know what I mean? I thought that I was better than I was when I got here. And, uh, you know, people that I hadn't even heard of beat the hell out of me. You know, they just beat the hell out of me. And, uh, you know, this place has been such a good measuring stick um, for who I am and where I am and like my skill level. You know what I mean? I get, I get obviously I get Marab and I've gotten Aljo to come in and I've, you know what I mean? I've, I've had these measuring sticks throughout my time here. I've, I haven't been here that long. You know what I mean? And um, you know, the, the environment in that place is, is so it's almost family oriented. It's very, it's everybody's very, very close and it's easy to everybody's easy to get along with. So I was the outsider maybe for maybe a couple of weeks and that was because of me, cause I'm shy. And uh, but everybody was so welcoming. You know what I mean? Uh, Jojo, Calderwood was one of the first people to really welcome me into the group. And you know what I mean? I, I sparred with everybody. Everybody was just really cool. So I fit in really, really quickly. Um, and that's, I think that's a big thing is chemistry with the people that you work with. So I, I, I think first month was kind of tough because I, you know I mean? I, I picked up everything, everything I, I have ever known is over there and it's just kind of lonely and boring here, but you know what I mean? I, they invited me out and made sure that I wasn't, you know what I mean? Some like Steven Glansberg sit by himself in the corner. So, I mean, everything was great. You know, from, from day one, everybody's been, been wonderful. And it's not just that. It's that I get so many different looks from really high-level people to other roster members, to PFL guys, to Bellator. You know what I mean? Like, I get a host of – and I seek it all out because it would be foolish of me not to – see these people you know apache mix and you know what i mean like and all the people you see daily and you're like you'd be you'd be foolish not to go and try and work with them so i mean i i, I picked it up quick because of all of that have you been to a i don't remember exactly when you moved out there but have you been to the syndicate mma christmas party yet no i no, heard no, that no, is that is some time but i have pictures of john wood's birthday party <laughs> in my phone <laughs> I'm going to keep them forever. You should, I hope you he should sees, keep those I in your back pocket interview and coach you fucked up. Cause I have those pictures. <laughs> I feel like you and Jordan, I, I feel like you and Jordan Levitt would get along really well. Like, do you we train do. with him a lot? I feel like you guys are, are like brothers in a way. Like you, you have a lot of like, you're different, but you're very similar in a lot of ways. Like, did you notice yeah. that too? In certain ways, but not others. Jordan is a, is a special breed. You know what I mean? You could probably find one more of me, but I don't know if you could ever find enough Jordan. <laughs> Wearing the pajamas all the time. He's he's a all he's an interesting fellow. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But he'll but he'll choke you to sleep. So what can you do? You know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree with you 100. percent One of the um, and you mentioned the store one of the storylines heading into the Smith fight because you mentioned Marab. You're getting ready for your fight with Marab, and Josh was getting ready at ATT with Marlon as a training partner. And then you both have fights and both are really exciting. And Marab and Marlon was just absolutely ridiculous. But in the end, two wins for syndicate, man, Marab is just an animal. 
as we saw on Saturday. I mean, what is it like just getting on the mats with that guy and just seeing how, how that all translated on, on television on Saturday and such a crazy fight with Marlon Moraes? So I remember when Marab first got into the gym, you know what I mean? He came in for just, you know, because he trains in a lot of different places, but he would come to spar. And the first time we ever sparred, we went to war. You know what I mean? It was, it was, and from that moment, he walks in, like he'll walk in, doesn't say anything, mind you. Like when he spoke on the mic, that's the most I've ever heard him talk, like in a row, ever. (laughs) So, so to hear him speak that much was shocking, but he, he'll come in and he'll seek me out. Like he just looks for me and you can feel him in the room, like Rob's here. I know it. <laughs> and, he, and if you lock eyes with him, it's over now. You know what I mean? So because we have such good uh, sparring rounds, we, we really go at it. Like he, he takes me down. I box him up. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a high pay. It's really good. You know what I mean? Some of the video I have is, is, is pretty back and forth. So he's um, training with him is exactly like fighting though. Cause like he's, you know what I mean? He might light up on the punches a little, but the pressure, the wrestling, he's not, he's never not in your face the whole time. You know what I mean? And you could hit him with anything you'd like, anything. I, I mean that wholeheartedly. And he's still going to keep coming forward. If you want, he'll recover and he'll, push back at you so everything that happened in the marlin fight isn't shocking to me at all it was scary it was scary in the first one my heart palpitated a little bit but as soon as he recovered you know what i mean you know the ground and pound from that guy is ridiculous you know the only thing that i can say is that i didn't let him do that much damage to me during during the sparring but that's that that didn't shock me at all that that happened yeah what a crazy fight that was amazing marlin is amazing you know what i mean he's one of the best to ever do it but Rob, that that is a talk about a comeback because arguably that could have been stopped before he was able. You know what I mean? He was wobbly and kind of running away. They could have stopped that. So good for the ref for not. I mean, for knowing the fighter a little bit. Let yeah. him keep going. That was amazing. Yeah, he's gonna have a hard time fighting fights moving forward because he. I mean, he's one. He's one of the best thirty fivers right? in the world. Yeah, he's up there. At this point, you know who the mean? hell wants That's to fight him, little, though? A little, a little tip of the cap to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Barabi. You made me look great. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in an interesting spot right now, and you're in an interesting spot right now because you've won seven out of eight. The one loss is on the contender series, but pretty much anybody who watched that fight thought you won that fight. <laughs> and you have the two biggest titles in your region. And I know Cage Titans having a big event on November 6th. I think that's number 50 for them. Is it uh yeah. is it safe to assume that that would be a card you would like to be a part of? I would, you know what, man. Everybody's been asking me this, and it's and it's it's you know what. I'll I'll defend. Everybody can get the smoke, dude. I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't care what belt I'm defending. You know what I mean? There's gonna be mine by the end of it. I am the best one. You know what I mean? There's no. I've made that clear a bunch of times. You know, um, the people that I've already got people that I'm not gonna start calling out names because. And people are ridiculous and fraudulent, Mike, is what they are. They're okay, well, I mean, you can't just say that and not say names. I can, I can, because they know who they are, because they talk, they run their mouth about me online, and then they're in my inbox talking about nothing but respect, Jim, and I don't want to hear it. That's that's really, so I just want to put my hands on certain people. I don't really even give a shit who it is, but if it would be nice to get my hands on a couple of people from Cage Titans. CES, whoever, doesn't matter. Whatever body I have to stack up to get to the goddamn show, then just... You know what I mean? I I don't care. I don't care how long it's got to take. Tell me who I have to go kill before Dana goes. All right, 
Let him in. You know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? Just that's, that's all I care about. I'm not going to whine or bitch or complain. Show me the direction and I am a weapon to be pointed. Point me at somebody until they say, here's a contract. That's can we just, so, can, can we just get the damn Johnny Campbell fight going? Like, is that, is exactly that the name? Yeah, oh, do you know what? Dude, absolutely fuck Johnny Campbell. Chris, Chris Curtis. Everything. Oh, um, Chris. Holy shit. Chris, Chris, is, Chris just came in. <laughs> What's up, Chris? Up. My man's the truth. He's ready. Where's the shot at? Let's go. Fuck Johnny Campbell. That's right. Hype <laughs> man 2021. Lift each other up. <laughs> Guest appearance from Chris Curtis. Love that guy. Oh, I love him. Um, you know what? That's the most positive shit he's ever said to me. Just want to say that. He tells me I suck on a regular basis. Doesn't um, surprise me. He does. But anyway, uh, you know what? Johnny Campbell, here's the thing about that is that we... I said that I was cool with that in August. You know what I mean? So here's what happened with that. Johnny called me out on a bunch of podcasts and said, this needs to get settled. And I saw it. And online, I said, you're right. Let's fucking figure this out. Finally, for once and for all. And this time I'm going to finish him because in the first time I, I gave him too much respect because I had watched him since I was an amateur and I had a little bit of nervous jitters. I'll give you exact. I'm not going to respect him that much the second time around. Um, he called me out, remember? So I said, word, send it. I talked to Michael Polver. I said, send the contract. He replied with, oh, well, Bellator won't let me fight you because even in a win, they would be upset that I went outside the promotion. When, in fact, we had the screenshots of the emails from Bellator that said, no, we don't have anything lined up for him around then. Go ahead. He can fight if he wants to. So he, so he, remember that reason that he stated that Bellator would get mad at him for going to another promotion. So he said, word, whatever, cool. Even though that we know that's a lie, but okay, cool. He then posted like a month later about agreement where he tried to blur out everything but the words about agreement, but he's dumb. So he didn't. And under it, it said cage warriors a month later. But what happened to Bellator? What happened about why, why, why couldn't you? do it for cage sides, but you can do it for cage warriors to fight someone else. So you ducked me is what you did. That's a duck. Sorry, plain and cold. So now why should I, after you did all of that, and then you totally go out of my way to let you do that? So you can earn it. You can fight one person, and then you can earn, and then you can fight me. But you're not just going to step in and be like, I want it. No shot. No shot. Because you had the shot, and then I, I would totally wholeheartedly for this, because I'm going to finish Johnny Kim. I'm going to end this debate. If we ever cross paths again, it's over. I promise that. He didn't want it. He wanted to go fight somewhere else, and he hasn't fought since. So I don't know what incentive I have after I said I would fight you. You did all of this lying for a bunch of reasons why you couldn't fight when you totally could. So you chose not to fight me, and now you're like in my inbox. I would like to challenge you. Go fuck yourself. That's fraudulent you're fraudulent that's fucking crazy that's crazy to me. i just can't respect it i'm sorry you go all up and down me on the internet and then you fucking get in my inbox and say nothing but respect champ you're a fraud bro i can't fu- i can't fucking stand you that's why i don't like him in that one one moment right there is why i can't i can't fuck with that guy because he's one way online and then to his face he's all shaking hands and nothing but respect and this and that but then he'll go on podcasts and call me a bum and all this other shit. Go fuck yourself, bro. You can go earn it. So they can get somebody to fight him. It'll probably be like Penafiel 
and him to fight for whatever, and then I'll fight the winner of that. If you make Sorry. it that far. I mean, it, like, you might get snatched up before then. So is there yeah, a part the of you that – I can't up? do that is because CES, we have a clause in there that I have to defend. So we did, like, a two-fight contract. If I win, I have to then defend the next fight. So that's, like, part of it. So I, I don't think I can make the November one unless I do the CES one, the next one, whenever my eye heals. Oh, okay. Okay. See what I mean? So like, yeah. I would do that, but I don't know how the con, you know what I mean? The conflict of that would work. So, okay. So let's just say, let's say, I mean, cause you're, you're on the doorstep, right? Like getting that call. I, I hope so. You know what I mean? I would hope. But, yeah, I think no. you're there. I mean, the, the, whether it's contender series, short nose UFC fight, maybe it, it, we've seen Bellator snatch up prospects like crazy. If those calls come and you go to the UFC and, and all that stuff, is there going to be like a part of you deep down that wishes you got that Campbell fight one more time? Like, is, is that going to go? I beat him, dude. 50 know. 45. You know what I mean? I like, I got nothing to prove there, doggy. You know what I mean? Like, I, no, I got nothing to prove there. He's the one that talks about me. It's not the other way around. You know what I mean? And he's fucking. Here's the thing. It's always after I win that he wants to leech off of this and somehow because he knows that that's going to boost his stats. I don't know. He's like mid-30s and got over 13 losses, and he thinks that somehow he's getting signed, and I don't get it. But, like, again, I beat you 50-45, and I was, what, 8-3? and three? You know what I mean? Back at the time, we're very – I'm very different now. It's a very different person that you're fighting now, and I'm better, much better even. And so – I don't know what part I beat you 50, 45. And I was nervous. Now I don't like you. You know what I mean? Like I don't like in a visceral way. I don't like you. So I'm going to put my hands all over you, Doug. You're not good. You're just, you fucking swing wild and you fight sucked out opponents. That Henry Corrales fight was bullshit because that guy's not a 35 er He's a 45 er and you take it as a big win. And then you duck me after that. Go fuck yourself, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't care if he uses it or not. I'll say it to his face. I'll fight him in the street. I don't really give a shit. Fuck that guy. I I got nothing else to say about Johnny Campbell. I don't care if we ever cross paths again. The one that needs it back is him, not me. I don't. I already beat you. So you want to get beat again? Sure, but I already got one up. I don't need to catch up. I've done more than you have in half the time. Go fuck yourself. Love it. You know what? It, it just something just kind of. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Way more of this interview than I wanted, but that shit bothers the hell out of me. I'm no, sorry. that's fine. It's fine. Listen, we're, 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 we're chatting. We're having a conversation yeah, right now. I guess. But one of the things that, that just popped into my mind is I remember our last conversation. It was before, I don't know if it was before your last cage Titans fight it was sometime in 2019, but uh, it's, it's a conversation that I reference quite often because you gave me something new to think about when it comes to the sport and the overall mentality of a professional fighter, because you spoke openly about depression in and out of the sport. And it's something that you've dealt with over the years. But one thing that like really stood out to me was it really peaks for you from a fight to fight time frame. Like once a fight is on the books, like it's go time, you're busting your ass, you're getting after it fight week, then the fight. And it's like, poof, it's gone over. And then you have like that now what feeling. And it's it's kind of an empty feeling when you feel all of that adrenaline going after you and the fans and all that. And like it, it had been a while since since you've competed. It's been 18 months or so. Did you or have you been experiencing any of that after the title fight with Josh? Um, the now what thing. You know what I mean? Now what now what? You know, now what I have to do is really uh is really where I'm at. 
Hey, but you know what? I'm trying to be positive. I'm, I've, I've done something that I've really wanted to do for a long time. There's no reason for me to be uh, sad about it. It's more like, you know, I, I'm, I've been off for a week and I've been fat and my eye is stitched up so I can't really do anything for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I can't really do drilling or contact work right now. So like I'm bored on top of now what? You know what I mean? So yeah, just some moments are harder than others. You know what I mean? Because I've worked really hard. I, I don't want to have to work too much harder to get to where I'm going. You know what I mean? I want to get there and stay there. But you know what I mean? It's, it takes a toll on you. I'm very, very happy about how I looked in the cage after 18 months. I feel like I, I looked great. I feel like there's obviously things I need to work on, but you know what I mean? That'll always be the case. Um, but I'm trying to take the positives from it. I, I took another belt. I'm not even, it's not even arguable that I'm the number one match weight in New England. It's not even, I don't even think it's arguable anymore. Um, I cemented myself in like a history book for New England. No one's ever done what I've done. So, I mean, like I, you, you get depressed with the now what, the emptiness like you talked about. But when you try and ground yourself with like, look, man, either way, at the end of my life, I can look back and say, I did this, 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 and this. You know what I mean? And so that keeps me kind of kind of present and, and not not super depressed about it. You feel like maybe being in a different place right now, like being with different with other people and your new team and, and seeing what Marab did, like it's almost like a different environment than you were in, in New England. Like it's, it does, is that, do you think that kind of helps with some of the things you've oh. experienced in the past? Oh, absolutely. I'm immersed in what I do. You know what I mean? And even when I'm not training every day, I'm teaching. Everything. So like, it's, you know what I mean? I'm still, I'm in the gym every day. So, um, I'm around like-minded people. I'm around people with similar goals and work just as hard. And, you know, there's less distractions out here. I completely immerse myself. I wake up, eat, sleep, breathe martial arts all the time, you know, and it's, it's great for me. Um, it's nice to take a break every once in a while. You know what I mean? Sometimes you get burnt out, but um, I think the environment has been so wet, like it's so welcoming and so kind of, you know, friendly and uh, everybody's so giving. Um, at least where I, to me, from my own experience, um, that it's helped a lot. You know what I mean? I, I Usually it's when I'm back home, it's, there's not people that understand, you know what I mean? Where you're at in your career. There's plenty of people that are in the same kind of position I am, you know what I mean? In these types of gyms where they're just right there, or you know what I mean? And they don't know what's going to happen with themselves. So you have people to relate to at least a little bit. Back home, there are people that support me, but they don't do the sport and they're not really involved in it. So their opinions don't really hold a lot of weight. If that makes sense. So like they don't understand. So how can you relate to them? So, yeah, I would say that the people here and having other people that understand your position is very helpful with stuff like that. And then last thing I want to bring up is um, you, you mentioned making history and, and doing something that no other New England Bantamweight has ever done. And you did it on a pretty it was kind of, it was a pretty special night for CES because one Dennis Piva was there. You beat the guy that beat him and it was a cool moment for you to shout him out. Same and way. yeah, same way, same round, which is crazy. And then on, on top of that, Matt Bissett has a big performance and then he retires right afterwards. An OG in new England, the guy that, I, you know, I've, I've been seeing Matt Bissett's name on headlines and on social media and watching him fight for, for a long, long time. And to, to be on the co-main event and win a title on the same card as Matt Bissett's last fight, being a guy who with, with such grace and such a name in new England, like, what was that like for you? Does that like, that's got to mean something to you, right? I mean, I, you know, I was actually talking to Matt about this very thing the other day. Um, I watched Matt since I was an amateur. 
I mean, the dude's been around forever, forever, dude. And he's been that guy the whole time. You know what I mean? Like he's been the guy that shit, Matt's a, that's a dog right there. That, that guy is going to put his hands on you. Um, if he can, you know what I mean? He's violent. He loves what he does. You know what I mean? I remember being like 17, eight years old, 18 years old, watching him at a CES fight and being like, I want to fight like this guy. You know what I mean? He's accurate. His punches are, he's creative. He's got good kicks. He's got good wrestling. He's got good, like I had a, I choked my, I choked Josh out. I sent him to the shadow realm and somehow Matt gets a reverse triangle. You know what I mean? Like, come on, brother. You know what I mean? You're killing me. Um, if there was a bonus, I lost it in that moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's shit. Um, you know, it was a real honor, dude. And Matt's been really cool to me. Like, I, I went down to train with Underdog, like, twice. And I got to see Matt, and we sparred together, and we had ourselves, you know, our little back and forths, and I learned a lot from him. Um, but he's always been somebody that's, you know, very supportive of me for whatever reason. You know what I mean? And I'm very grateful for him and to be able to do – all of the things you just said with him side by side is um, is a real honor because again I remember I remember being 17 years old and not even having an amateur fight yet and watching him you know take people's skulls so he was always somebody that I, I looked up to uh, in the in the local scene especially and always somebody I wanted to see succeed no matter what kind of like sweet bread and um, like ribs you know somebody that's just some just a a, a legend around there that you know you always want to see win that's just good guys but are super violent super talented and um, I took a lot of cues from him I actually took a lot of faint work from from Bissette I actually land a lot of the stuff that he taught me how to use um, yeah and just just the very brief moments that we got to work together so um, I wish Matt literally nothing but the best in retirement he's earned it you know what I mean if there's anybody that's earned it it's him. You know, if he ever makes a comeback, I don't think anybody would be surprised to see him just as sharp as he ever did. But um, hearing him, you know, in his reasons for leaving are very, very admirable. And I think he's had a great career. And I love him like a brother. And to do that on that night was was one of the great honors of my career. So when I do come home, because I'm going to come home to visit, uh, I'm going to get a picture with him and frame it because that's a that's a real big honor for me. Well said. Well, Jay, I, I appreciate you coming on here and, and, and talking about what's been going on with you and the big win. And listen, I, I've been, I've been saying your name for a while. When, when is this happening? Like it, it's, it's crazy that with all these opportunities, you're in Vegas right now, like it's coming, man, it's coming. And I think you're approaching it the right way. Just keep going out there fighting and that phone's going to ring. And soon enough, you'll be fighting in the apex or, or fighting at T-Mobile. That'd be great. You know, if they need a shortening notice replacement, you know what I mean? I got, I already got somebody in mind for a debut. So, you know, if they need, you know, we need my opinion. I'm good. Who? You know what I mean? So whoever, whoever it is. So, who? Who? Um, uh, oh, Mr. Matino, please. Oh, Chris. I'll, I'll take Chris Matino, please for a debut. That'd be nice. That's just a nice little rivalry we've had for a couple of years now that I just like to settle as well. That's nothing personal at all. It's just business. I just think I can beat him. So that'd be wild. Like you guys fight in the UFC for your first fight or hitting his second. I think it'd be nice. I think it's a good matchup. It's reasonable. You know what I mean? It's not, he's unranked. I'm unranked. I'm rushed fresh off a, a title win. I, I know he's injured. So I mean, best to, best to recover him. But if that was my ideal fight, I would take that one. Um, but yep. Like you said, whoever, wherever, let's do it. <laughs> awesome, man. Great catching up with you as always. We'll do it again. And hopefully we'll be doing it again before your UFC debut or whenever. Bellator debut, whatever. So, something big's coming your way, man. Thank you, man.
Great stuff right there from Jay Perrin as well as Eric Gonzalez and Taylor Starling. Earlier in the program, as we put a bow on another episode of We Got Next. More fun chats in store next week. Got a couple in the can already that are ready to be released for your ears next week. But we are working on a man who got Dana White to break some rules and piss some people off in the process on Dana White's Contender Series this past Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, thank you again for checking out the show. And we're going to have you covered this weekend. We got a doubleheader on Saturday, UFC Vegas 40. We got Bellator 268. So we'll have pre- and post-fight shows, all that good stuff. BTL is back on Thursday. And we're going to have some big news as it relates to BTL, by the way, in the next week or two. So get ready for that news. It's going to be a lot of fun on that show to wrap up 2021. But all sorts of great stuff on the network. So make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the MMA Fighting Podcast channel wherever you find your favorite shows. But join us next week when we try to answer that question people often ask in the world of mixed martial arts. Who's got next? What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.